Hi, this is Stephanie, the host of the Empower Your Life podcast. And today um, for this podcast, it's fantastic. It's um, We partnered with Dr. Gens and oh my gosh, just the information that she gave on just a mo- more holistic approach to dental work um, as well as TMJ and really learning how like everything is connected. Um, you know, I say this all the time that, you know, where the side of the pain is often not where the source of the problem is coming from. It's true from our body perspective. It's also true from our like orthopedic musculoskeletal system as well. So you can have issues in your thoracic spine or your neck that can create TMJ issues, but you can also have um, sleeping and sleep apnea and um, breathing issues that also can create TMJ. And it's really getting down to figuring out what, where the source is coming from. So this is a fantastic event. I hope you enjoy. This is the empower your life podcast, where you can find some of the best health and life tips to keep you active and living life without having to go through surgeries, procedures, and medications. We want to give you hope that it is possible as the body has an amazing ability to heal. If we give it the right environment. Stay tuned to the end of this podcast to hear a very special offer. Without a further ado, let's get started. Hey guys, so I'm so excited to be partnering with Dr. Gens um, and we're doing a, you know, the mouth body connection and people don't realize how much it's really connected to our whole entire body. And we're going to specifically go into the hidden link between sleep, TMJ, neck pain, and your health and how all those things really are linked together. A lot of times um, in our healthcare system, we tend to treat a symptom like, oh, you have a sleep issue. Let's give you a pill. Um, oh, you have TMJ. Let's only look at the TMJ and not look at like, why is that joint having issues? Oh, there's neck pain too. Oh, you have headaches. Um, all these things are connected and you have to really find someone that can connect those dots. And that's really kind of what we're going to talk about today. Yes. Very exciting. This is a passion of mine and of yours, it sounds like. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, my biggest thing is just is getting to the source of the problem and really helping people navigate their health without having to rely on medications and drugs and and surgeries and a lot of things. And there's so many things that our body can do to to heal if we give it the right environment and if we get to the right people that can actually help. So absolutely. So um t- a little bit about yourself. Tell um tell everyone a little bit about your background. Okay. Um, so I, gosh, where do I start? Born and raised in Canada and then moved down to Texas halfway through high school where I have tried to escape multiple times. Um, so I've lived all over the place, New Orleans, DC, Virginia, uh, Maryland, Washington state, and then back to Texas, which is now and shall be home for the indefinite future. Um, in that journey, I think it's been really interesting because I've seen dentistry practiced in so many different ways. Things are different on the East coast versus the West coast versus the South. And a lot seems to come in from the West and move its way South and East. Um, and so while I was trained in dental dentistry here in Dallas, I ultimately, um, did a lot of my learning postdoc up in Washington state. And that's really when I started to learn more about the joint and the whole body and how everything is interconnected and how to treat patients as a whole and not just a tooth. So when you're looking at teeth and looking at the mouth, um, really looking at that as part of a a living, breathing organism that has not just mechanical issues, but there's a lot more that goes into it from the mental to the physical, the musculature, everything. Um, And so through that journey and then through motherhood, I really got into more of the biological dental, dental realm, just learning about how sensitive our bodies are to different things and um, just how we can do things in a cleaner, more gentler manner where we can really create the optimal environment for healing and for growth and development just by making a few simple changes a lot of times. And it's so much easier to just cultivate a, a place where the body can heal versus throwing pills and different gadgets at the body and, and thinking, well, maybe this will work and kind of imposing our will upon it. So Um, it's a journey. I'm learning more and more every day from other providers and patients and, um, just in my own practice. And I love, I love it. Yeah, no, I mean, it it is a journey. It's a journey for the patients. It's It's a journey for us. Um, you know, I can tell you 
when you, you go through school and you learn things, um, and then you get out in the real world and realize, okay, well, that was just ridiculous. Like, like I could throw all that away. <laughs> and, um, there's been a lot of times, you know, like in my twenties, I had a massive health crisis where I ended up having cancer and, um, it led me down the path of like nutrition and health and realizing how much we actually can do. And it changed my practice. Like it changed me and it changed my practice. And, you know, you don't ever say that, that cancer was a blessing, but for me, when I look back on it now, like it really was a blessing because it made me look at the body completely different. Um, not only from like things that we can do from a nutritional way, but also from like physical therapy and, and figuring out ways of, of helping the clients. Um, and just understanding that, like, you know, like you said, the body's a whole thing. You have to look at the whole thing. And that's probably the biggest thing that drives me the most bananas about healthcare is the fact that it's like, oh no, I don't do that. You have pain in your hip. Oh no, I don't do that. Um, you have pain. You're and like, I'm like, wait guys, like this, these are all connected. Like you've got to look at everything. And, and, you know, when you can only spend 10 minutes with someone, you're not going to figure some of these things out. And when we talk about like the TMJ and neck pain and headaches and airway and all these things, like you have to look at everything because, you know, it could be three different things that are the problems, but you have to figure out, well, which one do you start with? And, and where you start is not the same for every person. Maybe you're doing similar things, but where you start may be different based on kind of what's going on. And, and you have to figure that out. And so that's some of the things that we're going to be talking about. And I'm just always so excited to partner with like other healthcare providers that really think the same way, because it's a small group out there. Um, and clients that we see all the time are so frustrated. I mean, it's just, you know, since I've had this practice open where we're really having to market and we're not really relying on doctors to, to get the referrals, it's amazing what the clients say. Like, I'm just like, it's just horrific. It's why, I, you know, it's why I do events like this and always are putting education out there because knowledge is power. And yeah. if you have hope that, gosh, there is a solution, but I'm not getting to the right provider, then, then that's what this is all, this is for. Yeah. So some of the things that we're going to be learning about today, um, you know, what is TMJ um, dysfunction, common symptoms, the key factors, airway and obstruction and sleep apnea, a lot of times is not even like addressed or even looked at, um, the upper cervical spine and headaches and how that relates to the TMJ, how we treat what other healthcare providers miss, and then just kind of, again, why injection surgeries, mouth guards don't always work. It's not really getting to the source of, of the problem. So here are all the different symptoms. I mean, if you want to go through some of the, these, you, you totally can, um, but they're, these are common, common symptoms with, um, with TMJ. Yeah. Um, a lot of people who end up in my chair, um, uh, complain of, of headaches and sore jaws, um, earaches and congestion, or even like tinnitus or tinnitus in the ears, that ringing in the ears, um, lots of chronic neck pain and lower back pain is super duper common. Mm -hmm. Um, the chronic fatigue, the sounds in the joint, yep. um, the mouth getting stuck open, locked or, mm -hmm. um, rarely closed every so often, um, restricted opening. They say, Oh, you know, I, I, I can't open my mouth wide, um, avoidance of certain kinds of foods, especially things that require crunching and chewing bagels, um, steak, I think what else, um, even nuts and almonds and stuff. Um, sinus pain, the scalps, tongue is a big one that people big really one. don't even yep. think about, um, yep. or the tongue position kind of like in between the teeth, mm -hmm. um, mouth posture being open, even a little bit lips apart with the mouth breathing, um, snoring and the small palate for sure. Yep. Where the mouth is just too small for the tongue or the, the tongue is too big for the mouth. Yep. And that those all creates the sleep apnea issues. And then you want to pull your jaw forward so that you actually can breathe and that the jaw doesn't like being in those positions. And that creates an issue. I mean, it all comes down to jaw positioning and, you know, it's kind of like thinking if I pull my finger back and I hold it back like this for hours and hours and hours, days and days, my joints not going to like it. And it's the same thing with the jaw. You know, yeah. it's, it's looking at like, where is it coming from? And the, we're going to be talking a lot about where a lot of the different sources that, that it can come from Yeah, so a little bit about the TMJ, um, the joints. Um, so it's a joint in the body. Like, you know, when you look at it, think of like your, your back 
and, and your neck. You have your spine, you have your bones, and you have a disc that's in the middle of it. And that disc has helps us kind of like move. Um, and so that's very similar to the jaw. It has a little disc. And, and one of the issues you can have with that is sometimes that disc gets displaced because we're, you know, moving our jaw in a different, in different position, um, that can just kind of move kind of that material around. Um, but it's supposed to move smoothly and, uh, and, you know, you can get a lot of joint stiffness for a lot of different reasons. And, and that's where, you know, coming to an expert can kind of figure some of those things out. And then when things don't move correctly, we, we always say we have to look at the mobility first, when we're looking at like the joints and things like that, before you can go into, um, like the soft tissue and things like that, because if your joints not moving correctly, um, and you're not getting to like why it's not moving correctly, then the muscles will tense up. And these are all the different muscles that you can have. Like you have a big muscle in your head um, called the temporalis muscle. Um, you have, uh, you know, the masseter that, which also gets really super tight a lot along through here. And then you can get some muscles like really tight, um, up in inside your mouth that can be released, but you have to get into like, why do they tighten up to begin with? And, um, and if you don't get to that, sometimes you release it and it comes right back again. Yeah. And then the other thing about the TMJ, that joint is unique because not only does it rotate like most of the rest of our joints, it also translates and it slides down the articular eminence in the jaw in that upper jaw. Yeah. And that is, um, it's a challenge, right? Cause we've got different movements that we're trying to deal with. And I'm sure you see that on a daily basis, mm -hmm. you'll see some challenges just with that rotation. Yep. Um, and the disc has to rotate between the top jaw and the bottom jaw it has to sit in that spot but if it gets stuck for any reason or if the ligaments are tight on one side not on the other yep. or if you get stuck on that retrodiscal tissue that's full of nerves and blood vessels you yep. can have some really acute pain situations or instances where things get stuck and you can't unstick yourself <laughs> yeah. um, which is really scary yeah <laughs> And sometimes even with this things, just like with back things, like you can figure out like directions that you can move in. And then you, we can do what we call like repeated motions that, mm -hmm. um, will move material away into a different direction that all of a sudden starts opening everything up. So it's, it's super interesting. It's very similar to the back and the neck. I mean, we do the same thing. Like you can have herniated disc, very similar to the jaw and, um, based on your symptoms and your movements, we can kind of figure out which direction we need to go into, to, um, basically move that disc around to where it gets back where it's supposed to be in a better place. It's super interesting. It is. <laughs> so some of the TMJ dysfunction problems are myofascial muscle tension. And again, you've got to, I mean, this is super common, but you got to get to like, why is it tight? Um, you can have that internal derangement, which is what we were just talking about with that, that, um, disc, um, you can have a degenerative joint. Um, but sometimes even the internal derangement type stuff is, you know, we'll get into some positioning and different things like that. You can have things where you've got to look at like the neck, because if the neck is kind of, you know, your head is really far forward, that's going to put tension in a different spot on the jaw. Or sometimes we have people that literally where their neck has kind of shifted a little bit and then their jaw will shift to the other direction, which then can create a derangement. But if you don't get to like why it's deranged, it's, it's the same thing. You got to figure out where, where everything's coming from. Then it doesn't matter what we do with our jaw. If we don't fix the neck, then we got to fix the jaw. Um, then we can't get to the jaw at that point. But these are all common things that, that we see um, as, you know, symptomatic issues that, that we can see. Yeah. And that the postural stuff is huge and it's kind of a chicken and egg issue, right? Because sometimes we get that forward head posture as sort of a self CPR position. It's easier to breathe that way. Yeah. But and that in turn creates that muscle strain because now you're carrying a much heavier load on this whole system Yeah, and it just worsens and worsens. And so unpacking that and working yep. through it can be really, really tough. Yeah. Well, and computer work. I mean, honestly, like we had a guy that came in with TMJ, um, and he had like read one of my articles and was like, Oh my gosh. I didn't realize all this was like connected. And he's like, I work at the computer all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I said, I, you already could see 
from just him sitting there he um that i'm like you don't like turning one direction he goes oh no if i turn one direction it really starts irritating me my neck starts tightening up and um and then my jaw starts tightening up and i'm like yeah is your computer screen over onto like the left side and he goes yeah how did you know and i'm like we've got to get you away from that because you're repeatedly doing that and that's creating creating a lot of issues so you know uh, again it's it's going into even like daily lifestyle of what they're doing because if we don't get into some of those things of what they do repeatedly you're not going to fix them there you, you'll fix them and they'll go right back to the same thing that they were doing before they got them into the situation to begin with so people don't even realize that computer work and things like that really can be a contributing factor to a lot of this and that's a big piece of you know what we do is we really want to ask why and ask a lot about the lifestyle and the habits and you know what else is going on because if we don't we don't necessarily get to that causal piece and so we we fix what we see those symptoms but as you said, they go back because, well, we didn't fix what broke it in the first broke place. Broke it to begin with. So yeah, absolutely. A lot of times I find patients kind of self-select and they'll provide yeah. the information they feel is relevant yeah. to, to, you know, my domain. You're a dentist. Why, why would you want to know my, my posture while I'm working or what I do or what I eat or, you know, any of that? Well, because it, because it matters, it's all attached and connected and yeah. It really does help. And then it helps me to figure out, okay, well, who else do you need to see as part of your gear team to, to put you back together again? Yeah. So muscle tension and overactive jaw muscles, um, you know, our muscles are our primary cause for many of the TMJ symptoms that we've discussed. But again, like, you know, I always say we've got to get to like, why, why are the muscles tightening up? Because so often, you know, and any part of our body that we treat a lot of times medical providers want to go, okay, we just need to release this. And that's going to be, it's going to be good. But most of the time, the muscles are a symptom of something else that's going on. And we've got to figure out like what that is, but you'll get tightness, fatigue muscles, which can cause that referral referral pain, radiating symptoms into the ear, head, face, eyes. I even had people that, that have had visual issues. And once we got things resolved within the TMJ and the neck, they're like, oh my God, I've been going to the eye doctor for all these times trying to figure out what's wrong with my eye, but it was all connected. Um, the neck muscles will try to help out as well. Um, overactive jaw muscles that attach in your jaw. Um, can also pull the disc and bring it out of position or the disc can be out of position, creating the muscle tightness. So we've got to figure out like it's, it's, you know, which one is it? Um, and, you know, figuring those things out. And then it also can cause, you know, joint sounds and, and decreased range of motion when you get a lot of that, that tension as well, just as well as the, the joint itself can, can create some of those, those issues as well. Absolutely. Um, sometimes those jaw muscles will, I mean, the overactivity can sometimes be an indication of something going on with the teeth as well. That'll trigger it. Um, a lot of times, and I think we'll talk about this on the next slide, medications and things that people are taking can cause those muscles to fire as well. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of reasons that they can be overactive for sure. And, and what they do and how they do it will absolutely impact those symptoms that we see. So these are just some, some kind of, um, symptoms that you can see, um, and referral patterns that you have. So when you have issues within, um, the jaw muscles through here, you can, you'll get pain through, oops, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> you'll get pain through, um, the, the bottom side of your, of your jaw. You'll also get pain into your head, um, just above your ear. These are all common things when you have jaw pain, neck pain, um, it is super exhausting. Like you feel like you have brain fog. You feel like you just don't want to be around anyone. Um, you basically come to work and, um, and get your work done just to function, to go back home to really not wanting to do anything because you're just so tired. Um, and when you look at like the disc and the joint and how they move together, you know, the jaw, when it opens, the disc wants to kind of move forward. Um, if, the disc is displaced, um, you know, just like very similar to, you know, your neck joint. We've talked about this. 
uh, your disc within your neck, it makes us move. But sometimes those joints, because of you're doing something repeatedly in the wrong way, um, can kind of get displaced. It's going to lock up that joint. It's going to give you some clicking. It can even give you some locking of the joint. And so you, you know, I always, just like I said, I always say you have to look at the mobility first before you go into some of the muscles, because if something's not moving correctly, um, then you've got to address that first. And again, it's not just the jaw that might not be moving correctly. Your neck might not be moving correctly. That's creating some of the jaw stuff, which I know we'll get into a little bit later. Mm -hmm. So why do we get these symptoms? So here's some key factors that we see. Um, I mean, a big one, a big one, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later too, is the underdeveloped mouth and airway dysfunction that just never gets addressed by most medical prof professionals. Um, you have a suboptimal jaw positioning. And so, you know, what I always say, you know, our, our joints are meant to move. They want to move. And when it's in a position that it doesn't like to be moved, uh, that doesn't like to be in that position, you know, one of the reasons you'll get some of that clenching is because your body's like wanting to move at night because it doesn't want to be in that position because you're sleeping and you're not moving when you sleep. And so things can kind of get stiff and it wants to kind of move. So we've got to figure out what's going on with that piece of it. And then you can have some muscle imbalances and, and jaw dysfunction as well. Um, you know, again, we've got to get to why, why is all this happening? Get into lifestyle factors as well um, to, to really figure out um, what you're doing throughout the day that might be creating some of the problems or positions that you're getting into um, as well as, as everything else kind of that we talked about. Absolutely. Those are all really big pieces. It's the, what's innately part of our system. What are we actually doing behaviorally and what, um, don't, what are we doing that we don't realize that we're doing? Oh, that comes yes. a big piece, right? Yeah. Postural stuff. People will sleep on their, like on their hands or they'll work <laughs> and they'll lean on their jaws Yep. and things like that, that you don't even realize. And that whole process is going to create all of these imbalances in the musculature, which steamroll into all the other symptoms that we'll see. Or you're always eating on one side. People don't realize that they do something like that. They're like, oh, I, you know, they just always like they have one side that they like to chew on. Maybe there's an issue with a tooth on one side, which is making them, you know, yeah. do some of those things. So you just, you, you gotta, you gotta piece the puzzles together. Yep. So major causes of overactive jaw muscles, you know, the underdeveloped mouths, um, this is huge, um, you know, hu huge, you know, and how does this hap happen? You know, a lot of it, this starts with like mouth breathing, um, which is not something that we should be doing. Um, we should be able to rest our tongue at the top of a mouth with our, with our teeth, just barely apart and breathing through our nose. And if we don't do this as at, when we're younger, um, what happens is, is that your teeth won't, your teeth won't expand around that tongue to give you enough space, um, which is a huge problem. But also what happens is your jaw will drop down and it'll want to drop forward a little bit uh, because you're trying to get more to, to be able to breathe better through, through your mouth. Um, if your tongue can't rest on the top of your mouth, uh, then that that's a huge problem. That's another thing that needs to be addressed is, is your tongue function. Um, you know, the tongue is supposed to keep the, the teeth apart and, and again, from the teeth crowding and allows us to kind of widen everything. So starting at a young age, knowing some of these things is huge because it'll give us, you know, where you won't have issues later on in life. Absolutely. That's a, it's a really key piece is when we can start early on and intervene early on, we can make a huge difference. And that's from little bitty newborns onward. And we see children, I walk around all the time, biting my, biting my tongue. Cause there's, I, I see, I see kids walking around with their mouths hanging open with pacifiers in their mouth at the age of, you know, one and a half, two years old. And, you know, I was, I was that mom. I had a, a thumb sucker. I have a, um, had a pacifier baby. And I was like, well, I mean, at least he's only doing it at nighttime. Right. And so, but until like age two, two and a half, cause it was really hard to get him off of that thing. But ideally, six months max. <clears throat> and we need to get them off of these devices because it changes how they breathe. It changes the, where their tongue is positioned and that structure and function. And if the tongue does not, or cannot rest up in the roof of the mouth and be contained within the roof of the mouth, it doesn't do its job, which is to, um, 
expand and grow that upper jaw and maintain it in all dimensions. And it also improves the swallow and function as well because that tongue has to lift up and back when you swallow, not thrust forward. When it does that, it allows us to swallow our food properly and taste our food properly um, and not create a vacuum effect that actually creates mouth reflex as well. Um, and that does, it changes how the teeth come in and how they align. And, um, and that's a big, big, big factor in these developing children and all of the challenges we see with them from sleeping to cognition to um, the jaw pain issues to the, well, I know they're going to need braces down the road because look at them now and we're probably gonna have to pull some teeth because there's not enough space, um, which I'm jumping ahead big time here. But okay. all that to say, you know, the underdeveloped mouth is such a key driver of everything else we see. And if you continue to unpack that, a lot of times that's going to be related to the tongue itself and what it does and does not do and what it can and cannot do. Um, and the compensation is that jaw will develop downward and you'll get this long face and it will be retreated. It'll be set back, which makes the problem worse. Um, and as we age and grow, the compensations that our body makes lead to jaw pain, neck pain, back pain, um, and, and teeth breakage and disease. Yeah. And, and if you can't get the jaw where it's resting in its normal position, <clears throat> that's kind of like going back to like that finger analogy. If you pull the finger and you're always pulling the finger back and the joint doesn't like being in those positions, you're going to have problems. And unless you fix that, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you do injections. It doesn't matter if you do treatment. It doesn't matter if you do um, soft tissue work or if even joint mobs or whatever the case may be, you've got to fix the underlying condition of what's going on throughout their, their lifestyle. Otherwise um, you're, you're, you're going to be missing a piece of, of the puzzle. Yeah. I think we often fail to remember that pain isn't just a bad thing. It's a, you know, it's a siren. It's telling you something's not right. And to just make the pain disappear by managing it, <laughs> you're ignoring the symptom, right? You're hitting smooth snooze again and again. And we know that hitting snooze is never, unfortunately, it's never a great thing. It may feel good, but you know, it's just going to light up again, possibly in a different way, but it's, it's a really, it's a challenging thing to, to recognize that some of the stuff that we assume is normal is not really normal. It's just really common. Yeah. And, um, you know, especially in ourselves to think, you know, it's normal to need three cups of coffee a day. It's normal to, when I wake up, have to like stretch my jaw and my neck and all of that. Like that's normal to me. I wouldn't know it any other way if that's all I've ever experienced, but gosh, imagine that one night when you get an amazing night of sleep and there's no pain and how great you feel. And that could be your normal if we work to connect the dots and figure out what's really going on. Yeah. And that's the other thing on the healthcare system too, that drives me bananas is it's like, oh, that's just what happens as you get older or, you know, there's nothing we can do. Um, I mean, these are things that, that we hear our clients say all, all the time. And, you know, if we don't start addressing some of these things and they are just, you know, treating symptoms, it's going to compensate where you're going to start having other issues elsewhere in the body. I mean, it just happens. Um, your body's got to compensate somehow to adjust for it. So you eventually be like, okay, now I have this and now I have this, like, you'll just start adding on symptoms until you really get to figuring out kind of what's going on. So airway obstruction and sleep apnea is huge. Um, most people, um, don't even realize that TMJ and sleep issues are, are really an issue. And a lot of times kind of what happens is, is like we breathe through our mouth and then our tongue will, will jolt back to where we can't breathe all of a sudden. So then what we want to do is jet our jaw forward so that we can kind of compensate to get kind of some air. But instead of fixing that piece of it, they put you on, um, kind of sleep apnea equipment to, to help with your sleeping. And, um, you know, all this can create issues with clenching and grinding our teeth at night. Um, if we don't, you know, fix some of these, these pieces, these underlying causes that are happening. Absolutely the, um, the jaw falling back is, and you'll see that in kids too. You'll see these, these cute little babies, you know, in their car seats, 
those are the best. You see the, the car seat videos that moms will post like, oh, look, they're so cute. And their heads are flopped out and their mouths are open. <laughs> and they're, if they had the sound on, like you can hear a little snoring, you see a little drool. And then you translate that to, well, fast forward 20, 30 years. And you see the same thing in the grown up head thrust back up and open or another 10 years. And you see like their front teeth are wearing down. And people wonder like, why are their teeth so perfectly straight and worn down or they're starting to chip at the edges? And that's that jaw slides forward to open up the airway, just like we would to open up the airway for CPR. And again, the compensations of the muscles and or the teeth, something's got to give over time. It, the, the condition continues to worsen as well. So upper jaw, um, cervical and, and neck posture. And when we look at, at these pieces of it, the neck pain and TMJ are commonly experienced together. So one thing, if you just look at this, just even just with the forward head position, which always happens, what are we doing in front of the computer? We're always bringing our head forward. Um, you know, if we're doing anything and looking, especially as we get older, because of, you know, our vision, we're always bringing our head forward to some of those positions. And if we hang out there long enough, this is, it, it's going to affect the, the jaw. I mean, you can see the position in these pictures of what happens to the jaw when our head comes forward, the jaw wants to go up and back. Um, and that's not a, a, it's normal resting position of where it needs to be. So just posture from, from that way is an issue, but also what we've seen, and we've had a couple patients just came, came in this past, um, week, a couple, couple weeks, um, where literally their neck, you could just see their neck had shifted to the side a little bit. So one side was shortened and the other side was a little bit longer. And that happens when you typically are looking at a computer, always turn to one direction. You're, you're there, you know, day after day, eight, nine, 10 hours, and that affects the neck where it'll shift. And then what happens is the jaw will shift the other way to compensate for it. And then a lot of times the opposite side is just knotted, but you have to get to move, getting that neck moving correctly so that the jaw can line up correctly. So then you can get to the muscles to release those because they've been overacted for so long that they've shortened. So you got to get to that. But if you don't fix the joint pieces of it and you go directly to let's just release the muscles, you're not going to get full resolution because the muscles are there because the joint position is not correct. So these all, these are all things that just need to be looked at as a piece of the puzzle. For sure. I think it happens more often than we realize. Oh, yes. And I mean, we have patients that are coming me. in with, with like headaches and neck pain. I'm like, do you have any issues in your jaw? Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I, I just, I never thought to say anything because, you know, I didn't know that it was related to it. I'm like, it, it probably is. <laughs> so we even just getting asking questions where they're not even coming in for TMJ, but they don't even realize that all these things are, are, are coming together mm -hmm. and you can get headaches from headaches, aches, toothaches from tightness that happens within the head. You can see the, the patterns through here. You can also get headaches from upper cervical. You can also get headaches from thoracic as well. Um, that the thoracic can throw things off and everything is kind of, is, is kind of going up the chain. So we, we go all the way down, even into the thoracic spine to make sure that there's no issues there that could be creating some, some of their, their, um, compensation and mobility issues up the chain. That is really cool. That is something I haven't really dove into. Of course, we look more at just other referred pain issues. Oh, yeah. I, well, and like, there's things that you guys look at that I, that we don't, I mean, we screen a lot of things and we're like, I think you need to get this addressed, but, yeah. um, it's the same thing is, is, you know, our whole body's connected. We've got to look at the whole piece, um, to see, if there's anything that's missing. And even if we get them back to like 80%, then usually we're referring them out to other people going like they, there's, there's a component that we must be missing. So let's get you to like a dentist that understands a lot of these things so that they can see if there's a missing piece there. Yeah, absolutely. And these are other pictures too, of what happens in referral pains, um, within, uh, the, the muscles right down below uh, where the teeth are when you clench and you can feel it right through there, you'll get a facial pain and jaw pain and ear pain. Um, also pain above the eye as well. So these are all just referral patterns of, of muscles that um, have tightened up that people sometimes don't realize are all connected. 
Oops. Why is it not going forward? <laughs> um, so other contributing factors. I know these are some things that um, Dr. Genji put put in through yeah. here. So yeah, let's talk through some of these. So poor function of the tongue and restrictions of the tongue and other supporting soft tissue. So we all have a frenum or an attachment underneath our tongue that attaches the tongue to the floor of the mouth. But the tongue is a massive, massive muscle. It is the strongest muscle in the body for what it is, but it's really a bundle of different muscles. And so we all have some restriction. It's just a question of how much restriction is keeping, is pulling that tongue down. And especially in recent years, the more I look, the more I see that tongue is really strongly tethered and people's tongues tend to live in the floor of the mouth because that's what pulls it down. And those the way the tongue is constructed, it's within that fascial sheath that's connected to the rest of the body. And so when it's restricted like that, I will see patients who have like the neck pain, lower back pain into even like leg tension and tightness. And when the tongue is worked on, we do some myofunctional therapy or training to retrain it and, or it's released so that it actually can elevate the way it's supposed to and function the way it's supposed to. The amount of relief they get just as soon as it's released is tremendous. You will just see their whole body kind of breathe a sigh of relief, um, which is to say, you know, that strongly impacts so much of what, what patients experience dentally and then with the rest of their body and the headaches as well is all stemming from that one pesky little tongue that just isn't doing what it needs to do. And sometimes we don't have to release the tongue. Sometimes it's just a matter of retraining it, just like physical therapy for the rest of the body, teaching it what to do, strengthening, toning, making it fit within the mouth or expanding the mouth to make more room for the tongue also can make a big difference. Um, so what can happen with that in the expansion, I think I've somewhere down in here, that inadequate oral volume. Um, traditional dentistry looks at the tongue as kind of the enemy. I mean, we do, it's in the way, but we view the tongue as um, very large and the mouth being too small. And so a lot of times what we used to do a lot of is take teeth out to make room in the mouth. And so we have a lot of people walking around missing their four bicuspids and everything was kind of pulled back in and made smaller. And there's a lot of controversy in the orthodontic field about whether this causes sleep apnea and jaw issues or not. Um, it's kind of a civil war in dentistry right now. But what we do know is that for people who are already prone to having these airway, breathing, sleep, TMJ issues, if we make the box smaller for that tongue and we pull everything in, that creates a situation where our ability to breathe and open up that airway is reduced. It also creates a situation where that jaw still wants to come forward. And now we've locked it in and it's stuck. So then we start to clench and or grind and try to hold everything in place. And it creates all that tension and headaches, especially I see that a lot in like the late teens to early mid twenties is when that starts to really kind of develop. And if we let that go long enough, a lot of times the tension and the headaches create this, this cycle. And we start to see what's called upper airway resistance syndrome, where it's not sleep apnea. We're not stopping breathing, but we have a resistance to airflow that's decreasing the oxygen going to our bodies. And it creates this sympathetic activation overdrive where the brain wakes up periodically to kick things back into gear, open up the airway, muscles are firing, trying to engage to make more space. And we get the headaches and subconsciously we get this anxiety that starts to drive everything else in life. And you're waking up at two or three in the morning and like, okay, what do I do? Heart's pounding, don't know why. The rest of the day, you're in a fog. Now we're starting to get into anti-anxiety medications. We're trying to get into ADHD meds because now we've got those diagnoses to go with it because <laughs> we can't sleep and function on top of which we're in pain. And so the cycle just perpetuates, perpetuates. And I'm sure you see patients somewhere along that line in the cycle too, 
um, who have just been compensating for years. Yep. Because most of the time the medical system, it's like, do this, like they just treat the symptoms and they don't get down to kind of the root cause. And that's the problem. It's just trying to, again, piece, piece the puzzle together to figure out what it is for them. Yeah. And so again, it's that vicious circle, right? Cause now you've got stimulants on board treating the ADHD you've got, which cause your joints and muscles to fire. So you'll see people grinding like crazy because they're on these meds that are stimulating amphetamines and, and again, driving the problem as opposed to actually solving the underlying issue. Um, antidepressants, which decrease your REM sleep also can start to play a role there too. And again, we're just the vicious cycle. Um, the growth and development we've kind of talked about already in terms of a contributing factor there. Um, the one that's really interesting to me is parasites. Um, and I have, I don't know enough about it to be perfectly honest just yet, but I do know that they can trigger grinding. Um, and there's something that, that are much more prevalent than we realized just because of the food we eat, the, the environment we live in, where we live. Um, and so there are some really good products out there and practitioners who can help with the parasite cleanse that can also reduce some of that grinding. Um, but something important to note is that there's grinding and there's, which is really a a neurological activity or dysfunction. Um, and that's a side to side motion. And that is something that's brain generated or parasite generated and truly only like 3% of the population tends to suffer from that. The other thing that we see is the jaw moving forward, that compensatory behavior, and that creates tooth wear as well. When we're in dental school, we're taught if we see where the patient is grinding their teeth, what else could they possibly do to, to cause that wear? They're grinding their teeth, they need a night guard. So 90% of patients are walking around with a piece of plastic in their mouth because they grind. When the reality is a lot of times it's because they're posturing that jaw forward or it could be dietary, or it could be because they're on different meds that are creating that same behavior. Um, So again, lots of different factors that can create a very similar panel of symptoms um, that historically most, most dentists will treat. Yeah. Most will treat the same way with just a piece of plastic night guard and see how it works. Yeah. That's very, it's very common. (laughs) Yeah. So together we can help you and, you know, some of it's, you know, eliminating the muscle tension and figuring out where is that coming from? That's a big key to this, um, decompressing the joints, figuring out like mobility wise, how, how do you move improving your jaw motion? If there's an issue within the jaw, like, is it coming from the neck? Is there really something coming from the jaw? Is it disc related in the jaw? Um, figuring out some of the, those pieces, is it how you're, you know, you not being able to, um, put your tongue up to the top of your mouth and breathing and your mouth breathing, like all these things you've got to look at, um, how, how it, it's all put together. What, what are you doing in your lifestyle that could be creating some of these issues, improving your head and neck postures, establishing a new bite, um, expanding your palate, breathing better. These are all things that we look at and, and help you do. Um, are there anything else that we'd add in there? No, I think that's, that's really big step. I mean, the lifestyle piece is certainly a a key piece there too, is with the, even just the stress in your life, right? How Mm -hmm. do we decrease that? And again, it's a chicken and egg thing where if we've got some subconscious stress that's derived from muscle pain, then we have to dial that back in order to really reduce that stress as well. But yeah, breathing is to me, the be all and end all of how we need to get there. Yeah. And some of the stress, you know, most of the time in my practice, it's, it's rare that I see that it's the stress from a, uh, my life is so stressful. It's kind of create me, me to grind. Usually it's the stress of the anxiety of not knowing what to do and, and how to deal with it. And then once we can kind of figure out those pieces and put the patient in control of, Hey, this is what you're doing throughout the day. Here's the awareness. And these are some things that we want you to start working on that puts them in control. A lot of that stress and anxiety will go, go away. Now there are cases where people have that stress, that's lifestyle that they have to go and deal with, with those pieces um, in order to, uh, to, to get that last piece, but you'll know, you'll know, because when all the mechanics and everything's addressed and they're feeling better, but then they get things where all of a sudden it's like, I've been doing really well. And now, now it's back again, you start asking them questions 
and they're like saying, well, I, you know, I started noticing it while I was going to work. Well, what's going on at work? Well, I'm just like, I have this huge project and, and I'm just super overwhelmed. And it's been like this for a year. And, and all of a sudden they have anxiety around like their outside lifestyle. Then, then we have to get that addressed as well. But that's a rare, a rare case. Um, it's more, more often it's more of the stress of them not knowing what to do about their pain and the anxiety around it. Absolutely. So how to treat this, you know, really it's taken a multidisciplinary approach. I mean, there's so many things that to look at, you know, areas to assess jaw and bite airway, neck muscles, joint mobility, postures, things that you do throughout the day, identifying the symptoms, like why is this happening? Um, is huge. I'm always, that's my question. Like, okay, this is going on. Why, <laughs> what do we need to address? So even if we go into, okay, we know the joints not moving. Um, why, how did you get into this position in the first place? What do we have to look in the lifestyle to figure out what, what's going on that, that got you here to begin with? We've got to get to that. Like, I'm always asking why, well, why did this happen? Um, treat the cause, um, addresses the structures causing the pain, restore norm, normal mobility, muscle function, joint mobilizations, muscle lengthening and inhibition, head, neck posture, stability, establishing a new bite if needed, opening the palate if needed, um, addressing the, just addressing the lifestyle changes. One thing that we also have too, once we kind of figure out where the source is, we have um, shockwave now, which has been fantastic. Um, it can really help with some of that myofascial pain really quickly. Um, so if there's some issues going along there, then we can, um, get things to start calming down pretty quickly within like the first treatment. Once when we kind of understand like where everything is coming from, like that's always the first piece of it. Yeah. That's amazing tool to have in your toolbox for sure. So what do we need to do first? I mean, biggest, the first thing is really just making that diagnosis first. And I know from our perspective, um, like I said, at the very beginning, you have all these things that we find, but we have to figure out, well, well, what, what's happening first? Like sometimes it could be the jaw is what we have to start addressing first. Sometimes it's the neck that we have to start addressing first. Like you never know until you go through the evaluation and start seeing things. Cause everyone's a little bit different on, on what it is. And usually it's not just one thing. Cause by the time people have gotten to us, this has been going on for years. <laughs> so usually it's layers of thing. I, I always tell people we're pulling back layers. And then there's another thing that we have to pull up back another layer. And then we have to pull back another layer because they didn't get to us early on in life. They got to us when they're trying to figure out what they can do and no one else has been able to help them. Yep. Absolutely. So you've got the same you know, an in-depth set of screening questions. I bet there's some overlap in what your questions are and what mine are. Yep, probably. And, yep. You know, people hate answering all the questions, but oh my gosh, it's so helpful because there's that one tiny answer buried in there that is sometimes the key to where do we start and how do we get there? Um, we always say like, ask a better question, you'll get a better answer. And so like, that's, that's, you know, and sometimes I'm having to ask the question in three different ways. <laughs> Because they're oh, yeah. giving the same answer and it's like the same canned answer that they just give everyone. And I'm like, no, this is not going to be enough. Like we need to go, we need to dive deeper into the yep. questioning. It's so important because that's how we start piecing things together. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it makes such a difference to ask the right questions. I mean, even, even stuff like mouth breathing, where you ask people, you know, do I will do this with moms or usually it's moms who bring kids in, you know, does your child breathe through their mouth? Yep. No. Okay. Well, do you notice when they're sitting watching TV or doing something, are their lips apart even just a little bit? Well, yeah. Are their lips dry? Yes. Can you hear them breathing? Yes. Do they look like they do right now? Yes. Okay. So the answer to the mouth breathing question actually is yes. And what we see during the daytime is going to be mirrored at nighttime. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's not because they don't want to answer the question. It's just sometimes we have to hear it a different way to understand what we're trying, trying to get to. to. Yeah. Um, so I imagine the diagnostic panel is what we do here. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so in my office, we do a diagnostic panoramic x-ray, which goes around the head. Um, moving into July, we are trading out, upgrading to a cone beam, which is a three-dimensional CBCT, which will give us whole lot more information. Um, so we'll be able to see the joints a little bit better in 3D and we'll get to see a screening view of the airway. So we'll be able to see when you're upright in this posture, 
how much space do you just physically have there? And based on that, we can kind of extrapolate like, well, if you're horizontal laid back, what's it going to look like then? Um, we'll just get a lot more data that's really going to help us and hopefully help you too um, in, in assessing some of the issues that we see. We'll see that tongue posture and the size of the tongue relative to all of the other key structures um, and even get a good little glance at adenoids, and, which is really cool to be able to do that without sedating someone and going through the nasal area. Um, our evaluation includes looking at those joints. Um, we'll do load testing, measuring the maximal opening. Is there deviation when we open? Is there popping and clicking and pain? Um, looking and listening to noises and any kind of compensations that might be made. Uh, we really, I spend some time looking at the tongue, having you elevate the tongue, both the front and the back, looking at, again, are there compensations that we're seeing um, we'll look at the swallow and what happens when you swallow, how many muscles are being engaged? Are there any other habits that we see that might indicate that there's some parafunctional activity going on or dysfunction going on? Um, a lot of times, because I'm not a medical doctor, we'll recommend a sleep study for adults. Um, we just have to have that diagnosis to either rule out or confirm what we suspect is going on. Um, and a lot of times where we're different is if you do your sleep study at your MD's office, like they'll tell you, hey, you got your results back. They're normal, right? Or maybe you have a problem. Um, I like to look at the raw data. I like to look and see what is going on through the night. What is going on with your heart rate? It should be, you know, you're still, you're quiet, you're asleep. It should be in the 50s, ideally. I will see spikes to 112 throughout the night in some patients and their sleep study comes back normal. Well, it's not normal if you're running a race in your sleep. Um, so that kind of thing is something that's worth having a conversation about and really going through that data and allowing our patients to understand and own what is happening at nighttime, what's happening during the daytime to really get a, a sense of what's happening globally for them. Um, and for patients who are coming in with a lot of pain or a lot of wear and everything else is kind of pretty neutral or we need to change something. A lot of times we'll use a deprogrammer, which is just a little appliance that they'll wear for a couple of weeks. And it allows them just to touch in one spot and it takes the teeth out of the equation. It allows the muscles to go where the muscles want to go, which will be driven in part by breathing and in part by just where, where structurally does everything need to be. And for patients who are having a lot of problems, a lot of times they will experience just a full on relaxation. Things feel really, really good. But when they take that sucker out, their jaws out here. And we go, okay, well, <laughs> the good news is we know what's happening, right? We know what the issue is and where we want to go. The bad news is now we got to get you there. And so that is the, that's also good news, right? We have, we have an endpoint that we're shooting towards. So what are we going to do to get there? And what are the acceptable uh, compromises we may have to make along the way? Um, there's also some splints like water, uh, what's it called? I have blanked on its name. Anyway, there's splints that you can wear <laughs> that help settle the joint in when you have some acute pain as well. Um, that can really help as well in terms of, of getting us to the next steps and kind of that that diagnostic process. Yeah, I mean, and and the same kind of thing when we we evaluate all the joints. So we really look at, you know, the jaw, how it opens, are there any deviations, not only deviations in how the mouth looks, but also deviations within the neck. Um, we go even into the thoracic spine because you because it, it can compensate all all the way up up the chain. And we ask same, similar questions on, um, you know, are they sleeping with their mouth open? Um, are they breathing through their mouth? Those kind of things. Is their mouth always dry? Um, you know, just getting to some of those, those questions, because that gives us an indication of there, there might be some stuff going on in the mouth that we have to go and outsource and, and, and get them some help with yeah. um, looking at their tongue and how that, you know, are, is it scalloped, those kind of things. Um, so, so yeah, so we look at, at some things that are a little bit different, but always coming to the kind of same conclusion of, you know, trying to get to the source and who do we need to get you to, to, to help you with these other pieces. Yeah. Um, other health concerns, airways. I think we've gone through a lot of this stuff, sleeping, breathing issues, stress management, parasites, um, for those who have, um, airway issues, this also can be issues within the foundation of their teeth, periodontal mm -hmm. changes that can be seen, um, forming pockets and inflammation and recession. 
Um, I think these are a lot of like what, what you, you look for if you want to yeah. go through. Yeah. Some. Sounds like probably so. Yeah. <laughs> so at, um, foundationally, we see a lot of people who have airway issues, have issues with their gums, um, either constant chronic inflammation, because when you're a mouth breather, your mouth becomes the filter, which it's not supposed to be. Your nose is supposed to be the filter. So when your mouth becomes the filter, everything in that passageway becomes inflamed. So that's the gums, that's the tonsils, that's the adenoids, that's the whole system becomes inflamed with that inflammation and a drier mouth and a lower pH, a more acidic pH. We invite pathogens, bacteria, different bugs that don't need oxygen to survive. And those can create disease in the mouth. Um, the reflux is one that no one ever really talks about, but when you have a restricted tongue or a tongue tie, reflux is super duper common. Um, and those anti-reflux medications may help reduce the stomach acid, but in turn, they also reduce the production of nitric oxide, which is made in the mouth and the gut because the pH in the gut has to be acidic enough that the bacteria can survive. And in the mouth, same thing. We need to have the bacteria that converts everything into nitric oxide present gets wiped out when we're on those PPIs that reduce the, um, the reflux also gets wiped out, wiped out when we're using mouth things, um, like antiseptic mouthwashes and stuff, but whole different conversation. Big thing there is those, if we don't have the nitric oxide production, we're not getting oxygen to our body and our brains. And that is a big challenge. And then that can create heart problems as well as the gum problems. And again, attachment to the rest of the body with, with everything going on here. Um, there's also an elevated risk of oral cancer that occurs with acid reflux as well. So um, it's all just really connected. The more we see, the more, the more it's just a vicious cycle and a spiral. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting that I see is just the ability to control some of those normal functions, regulation of blood sugar, regulation of blood pressure. Um, all of that really is related to that airway and the muscle strain and tension that we're seeing. Um, so yeah, it, again, it's all just very, very interconnected. And a lot of times, especially in the later adulthood stages, when you see these patients who have all of these different challenges with all of their different systems, it really does help to have someone who's going to just look at it all globally or holistically and be able to kind of start paring it down and look at some key things that maybe if we make a tweak or a change, we can get you on the right pathway again. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, I love having providers like you who they're looking at the same stuff and we're on the same team. We're not working against each other, but we really, we all, we see the same struggles in our patients and uh, to be able to overlap and co-diagnose even and co-treat is really big, big win for everybody. Some things that we can kind of do. Um, again, we've, we we talk about this all the time. The resting jaw position. Start working if you're a mouth breather. You know, the first thing, one of the things I try to get my patients to do is just put their tongue up to the top of their mouth, seeing if they actually can do it, um, and then get their have their teeth be a little bit apart, lips are together, and their jaws really relaxed, and start breathing through their nose. And just if they aren't doing it, you know, we always usually give people one or two things to work on, but we want them to do it a lot throughout the day so that you start creating some of these new habits, um, jaw muscle stretches and jaw range of motion exercises, um, saying words like no, never, um, controlling the mouth, opening in the mirror. Um, if, if there's no jaw restriction, just getting your, your body to, you know, just getting it to start moving again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are great exercises. It's a good spot to start. Um, nasal breathing exercises are the other little piece there. Um, cause a lot of people can't breathe through their nose. We live in North Texas and allergies are, you know, 365 days of the year, 24 seven. So, um, we, I have a whole sheet of nasal breathing kind of strategies and, um, products and things that we use with, with patients to try and encourage that in a ideally non, um, pharmaceutical way. And so there's a lot that you can do just 
watching YouTube videos, um, looking up like Buteco breathing exercises is a great place to start if you're really struggling to breathe through the nose. If it's not a structural compromise, if it's something where we just need to open those passageways up, um, Buteco breathing is a great technique. And um, my product of choice that I recommend for everybody is the XLEAR line of products. They're nasal sprays. And they have saline, but they also have xylitol, and it makes all those passageways slippery, and it allows for improved breathing pretty quickly, especially if you use some of those strategies in that Buteco breathing technique. Love that. So again, why medication surgeries and mouth guards don't work? Again, it just treats symptoms. You've got to get to why. Um, you know, we we talk about this this whole entire talk. This whole entire talk is why why is this happening? Why are these, why are muscles getting overworked? Why are they tight? Why is the TMJ disc displaced? Um, that's, that's the big key thing. Um, and so it's really address, addressing those structural position, the imbalances, opening the airway, those kind of things, um, that, that need to be looked at from someone that understands all of it. So one of the big things, um, you know, we always love to do special offers for us. Um, I know for me, we always like to do kind of like a 30 minute where you just sit down and have a conversation, um, to understand a little bit more about what's going on, make sure that they feel comfortable. Like, yes, this is a place that I want to be at. We can go into like things that they've tried and why they haven't worked and what they, um, can do, you know, what, what are the things that we would look at? Um, so we have that for free. And then we also have a hundred dollars off our full one hour evaluation. If you come in like within the next 15 days, and I know, um, you have also a special offer if you want to talk about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So our airway evaluation, where we're looking at all of those things, structure, function, behavior, the airway breathing system um, is usually 250. And so for the next 15 days, if we can get you scheduled, because this is that fun time where everybody's on vacation, um, you'll get $100 off of that. So it would be 150 instead of 250. So yeah, so I'm so excited um, that we did this. I think there's just so much good information here. And um, if you have any questions or anything at all, definitely reach out. Um, we will, when I get this up on um, the different platforms that we put it up on, that's because we recorded it, um, they'll be in the um, description section. You'll definitely see information on how you can reach um, both of us um, if you have any other questions that you, that you have. Hey y'all, I'm Catherine, Client Relations Manager of Empower Physical Therapy. If you're interested in speaking to one of our specialists on how we can help you, click the link below to set up a time with one of our physical therapists.